What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Lutkowski. That's my co-host and best friend, Nick Veronica. And Nick, we are three episodes this week. Another guest. Who we got tonight? All right. We have Luke Russert with us. He's uh, You know him from his time at NBC News. He is uh, a former member of the Buffalo Fan Alliance that was helping keep the Bills in Buffalo before the Pagulas came in. And I guess, Luke, now you're, you're just one of the famous Bills fans out there. Yeah, the few in the proud, along with uh, Wolf Blitzer and Summer Sanders and you know Chris Sacco, we were just yeah. talking about Benny the Butcher. Yeah, we, we got to we're, we're we're growing in the ranks. We're growing in the ranks, but there's plenty of room on the bandwagon. Everybody is welcome. Come on down. So Luke, Luke is on Twitter, just his name at Luke Russert. If you're not already following Luke, hit pause, go to Twitter, follow Luke, and then come back and hit play. Okay. So Luke, what's, what's it like? Uh, sorry, Charlie. What's it like just being uh, an out of town fan in Washington? Are you are you following the team every single game? Is it hard to get the games? Is there? I mean, the, the Bills backer bar is probably not open this year. Well, that's what we usually do. Is we're very blessed here in D.C. because we have four Bills backer bars in the general you know, DMV area, as we call it. Uh, my favorite one is uh, Exiles around Seventeenth and U Street, run by a Canisius guy, which actually has a pretty good wing. I'll be Griffs. It's a smoke wing not the you know crispy wing that i like but it's all good it's it's well worth the effort uh so yeah sadly that's been um shut down for most of the year however there is an outdoor bar behind nats park called the bullpen which became the bills pen this year mm-hmm. and they show the games on an outdoor tv and have folks at picnic tables so i uh, i went by there for one of the regular season games which is funny but for the rest of the year it's just sort of watching on Red Zone, watching on Twitter. And we're so blessed this year that, like, every game was on national TV in the latter <laughs> part of the season. So uh, you didn't really have to, to work too hard to watch the team. But uh, I did not miss the game all year. I saw a, at least a snippet of it. You know, some days NFL Red Zone wouldn't show enough. Uh, and I, I, I messaged Scott Hansen to, like, let's up the Bills coverage here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, been, it's been a hell of a ride. And I have to say, you know, you look at this team, the only losses were to the two squads that were in the AFC championship game last season in a complete fluke in Arizona, which quite frankly, if I have to watch that clip again, I'm going to vomit because where is that team? (laughs) They're at home. They didn't do anything. And, and, you know, the NFL still shows that in its commercial clips. Now I went to Boston college. The difference between Doug Flutie's Hail Mary was they won the game and then they went on to the Cotton Bowl and had a hell of a season. He won the Heisman. Arizona didn't do anything after that. So it was a cute little play. It was a fluke play. It was a commercial for Nike and that was it. Uh, so it's been, it's been great to watch this team. I think they're a team of def- destiny. They're very special. Um, it's not going to be easy this Saturday by any means. You know, Being here in the DMV, I watch a lot of Ravens games. They're very good. They're very, very, very good. And they seem to have incorporated this us against the world mentality, which in sports is very dangerous. The Bills, however, have that sort of loose, like, hey, we're here. We're having fun. We love to play. You know, let's just go out there and kick some ass, which is also a good mentality to have. So it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good game. So living in the the D.C. area, I mean, obviously, like you said, you watch a lot of Ravens games. 
what yeah. is their how, how much of their media are you hearing you know throughout the week are, are their media kind of as confident as what a lot of bills media seems right now with yeah i mean like lamar lamar walks on water in maryland uh as mm-hmm. he should i mean he's an unbelievable talent but i think where they sort of see this team is it started in such a difficult place right they had kind of they had that losing streak they had the COVID issues they were almost written off. Pittsburgh was playing so well. And the Ravens-Steelers rivalry is, is a la, you know, Pat's Bills. I mean, they hate Pittsburgh down here. They did truly visceral reaction to Pittsburgh. You have those Calvin and Hobbes stickers of the pissing on the logo. Every third truck if you go through Baltimore, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think that from the local media is that they actually respect Buffalo uh, a lot. Uh, not so much as they did Tennessee because of the issues that they had there and in, in, in stopping in the field in the center. But Buffalo, uh, I think they kind of view it the same way we do is, oh, that team's dangerous. Um, and, you know, I think that there is probably a, I think they were probably expecting to play Kansas City. Uh, and we were probably expecting to play Pittsburgh as everybody was. So there was a, there was a belief that this was going to be the next round probably. You know, if it were if it were to go as we all expected, uh, but yeah, here we are around early, and uh, let's get after it. You know, yeah, you know, Baltimore scares me this week. I, I told Nick earlier this week. I'm like, man, this game. I I just don't know how Buffalo wins this game, especially now with the weather report with the snow. Although Lamar did say today he's never played in snow before. Yeah, I, it's, I it's, it's one of those. Yeah, what's the irony about our team is it's like actually a team that would do much better in a dome, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the way they pass the ball with those sort of like screens and then you know, run ups and then the yards after catch and then digs and everybody. Um, all that being said, though, I mean, what scares me and what has scared me all year is the Bills' run defense. And if if Lamar starts exploiting those holes, uh, it could be a very long day. Mm-hmm. What is good, though, is we've shown the ability to score. So if you get into a shootout, I, I'm not worried about falling too far behind in that. It's just going to come down to getting defensive stops. And it's going to come down to the linebackers, including you know Milano and, and, and how good of a game he can play and, and whether these guys can stay home and not bite. But you know, God help us if that middle opens up and Lamar sees a lot of uh, fresh field because that's, that's a long day. It's a very long day. Yeah, Lamar's – been a great talent all year and, and he, he I was watching the game from last year and Buffalo seemed to do a good job last year of keeping him in the pocket forcing him to throw when he did you know his throws weren't that great but um you I know, saw I, one of the stats it was like there is only there is that one big pass he he completed and if you take I forget it was one of the maybe it was Jeremy White was tweeting about that but if you take that out then mm-hmm. it was actually a pretty pedestrian day for for Jackson uh, so, but, but that kind of is the problem, right? Is, and it's just similar to our guy, Josh Allen is like, you can contain him for the majority of the game, but he can easily get that bomb that just totally changes the entire dynamic. And I think that's what you sort of have to be on guard for. I mean, the one thing I will say about the Ravens is they are not dead until it is zero, zero, zero. Like they are, they are very, very, very tough. And their defense has historically been – I mean, their defense has been good for 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. get, dating back to that, that first Super Bowl team in, in, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, there, there is – yeah, that, I, I, that defense is always playing. They're always playing tough. Luke, at what point did you become sold on Josh Allen? Uh, 
I'll I'll be honest. I was I was nervous when we drafted him. You know, I, I and and that is a complete bias against a small school like Wyoming. I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know if the sample size was there. I had watched. Uh, my mom went to Cal Berkeley, so I'd watched a lot of Pac-12 games. So I watched a lot of Josh Rosen, and I was like, oh, you know, Josh Rosen can actually play. He's got. You know, you got a good makeup of above. Well, I was I was wrong about that. Uh, but when I got sold with Allen was in the course of the end of his rookie year and then in the beginning of, of last year, is you saw the guys around him rally around him. And that's sort of an unteachable thing. It's like there's this belief on a football field that this guy I'm going to ride or die with and I'm going to go all in on. And I played football from like sixth grade through high school. So I, you know, I played football and there was just like some guys you played with that you inherently trusted because they were badass. And you were like, I'm going to war with this guy. And I'm comfortable doing it. And th that's just something you can't really put a finger on. So for me, you started to really see that, especially with the veteran players last year, talk about that. And then just rally behind him. And I think it says a lot. Like when he took some of those hits, which freaked me out, by the way, I wish he would get down <laughs> a lot more than he does. Um, yep. it, it, it was good. But I think probably where I was totally, totally sold was Thanksgiving. Uh, because I think to do that on that with, with that audience, uh, with everybody uh, picking Dallas, and then come around a few weeks later against Pittsburgh, that was sort of the one-two punch. But last year's Dallas game for me is when I said, okay, this guy's like legit. And I've always been very cautious about anointing the next Bills quarterback, right? Because we've had uh, – we started with uh, – the who was the first one to be anointed would have been Trent Edwards after we went through like the Bledsoe free agency and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then we had JP. Or was it JP before Trent Edwards? Yeah, JP, JP and then Trent Trent. Edwards. And then, you know, we had Fitzy and then EJ. and then, but, but the guys who were like anointed were like Trent. And it's just, you know, you got to have that sample size. You have to have to really win those games and will those games. And Allen does that. All that being said, and I love Josh Allen, last week, that sack, the fumble, that would, led to second and 31. My God. I mean, one bat that ball took a funny bounce. The bounce goes the other way, and you know, yeah, we're not talking right now. Right. So it's just right. Yeah. Was the, the, the experience, the 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 Josh Allen experience is uh they still get some dates. I mean, they're still getting some gigs out there. They're <laughs> they're they're still playing. And it's uh yeah, let's just if anything, let's just hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, we said that on our post game episode. It was it was shades of the Houston game last year. Daryl Williams recovers mm -hmm. the fumble like that's low key one of the plays of the season. He doesn't the get play, that ball. It's the play of the season because then we it allows Bojo to punt and it sets him back there. And, and if that doesn't happen, Rivers gets the ball in what the forty. Like mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, good luck. You know, I mean, at that point, you almost have to let them score and then try to come back. I mean, it's just woo, and um, yeah, it's just that's. If anything, that's what I absolutely don't want to see happen. Just don't do that. Like, let's if we're going to go out, like let's just go out, you know, guns blazing without anything dumb. Yeah, you know, Josh. I I told Nick, Josh played a great game, ninety eight percent of that game last week, and the one, the two percent that he did not play bad with that fumble, mm -hmm. and then the third down throw to um, Singletary that just somehow found Singletary's hands. 
I thought he was going to get intercepted there. Yeah. Uh, kind of yeah. scared me there towards the end. But yeah. with all that said, obviously Diggs has been a big, big upgrade. He's a Maryland boy. Um, you yeah, know, good council high school as well. Yeah, he's from Gaithersburg, Maryland. Yeah, right here. So I've heard the story. I don't know if you know any truth to it, um, but I've heard that apparently Stefan Diggs' mom went to Ozzie Newsom on his draft day and said, you need to draft my son so he can stay in Maryland. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise and, me. Yeah, and I she didn't, <laughs> and she told him that he's going to pay for not drafting him. I mean, that that's a great piece of information, and – Seeing how Diggs plays, he'll use that this week. I mean, I mean he's he is definitely one of those guys like I love the the Michael Jordan meme, and I took it mm-hmm. personally, right? Like he <laughs> he is like that. He is like that. He was wearing wow. a Vikings hoodie at, at practice last week, and he posted a picture of himself. He's like motivational purposes only. <laughs> I love it. Love it. I love it. But yeah, it's interesting because he's uh he's very well liked here. Um, he's. You know, they talk about him on the radio, and and he had a um, incredible high school career, and he was in the same conference as you know. The, you guys probably heard of the powerhouse Dematha High School, which produces all the NBA talent, but they also have a very good f- football team, uh, and he beat them, which was you know not easy to do. So he's he's legit. He's legit. Luca, I was very curious. I need to ask you. You spent so much time covering Capitol Hill. Sure, yeah. What is the sports scene like among congressmen and staffers and congresswomen? Is it, is it you know, everyone pretends, you know, for, mm-hmm. for the constituents that they like the team. Is it what, What's the real fandom like? Oh, it's just like anybody else. I mean, there's, there's the real fans and there are ones that do it for show and there's the casual ones. Um, what was neat covering Capitol Hill when I was there, there's some guys who are like real, honest to God, hardcore fans, specifically baseball. A lot of members of Congress like baseball. Uh, and they would go, you know, some of these senators would, would go to these, you know, Nats games and they would get out for votes and they would just sort of go in honestly and sit there and, and, and you know, <laughs> watch the pit, you know, keep score and pitch counts and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, what's interesting is amongst the leadership, when I was there, McConnell is a huge Nationals fan, and as was Harry Reid. So despite the fact that they hated each other uh, the rest of the day, they would always talk about baseball first when they spoke on the phone and what the <laughs> Nationals were doing. Uh, you know, Tommy Tupperville is now there. I haven't had any interaction, any interaction with him, but you've sort of seen this, you, and you, you get these athletes over there. When I was there um, – you know who was a member of Congress was Runyon, John Runyon. Remember the the offensive tackle for Philly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was a great guy. He was he was gargantuan. And then there was another guy who you guys will remember, Derek Dockery, who yeah, worked, old Buffalo Bill. And, yeah, old Buffalo Bill, and he worked in one of the offices. Uh, and he was a really nice guy, very smart guy, and he was legit. And people would, you know, rally around him and, and stuff. But it, yeah, it's like everything else. There's legit fans and there's BS fans and there's sort of casual fans. You know who actually is a real fan? People would not believe this, but it's actually God's honest truth. Is Nancy Pelosi, and Nancy Pelosi actually watches a ton of SportsCenter because she hates watching political TV. So she watches SportsCenter, and she's actually very well versed about the Niners and and the Giants. Uh, and a little bit, she, she started to get in a little bit to the Warriors when they were very good, but she wasn't much on basketball. But for football and baseball, she really knew her stuff, which is impressive. 
Uh, and I would always tell her staff, I was like, why don't you put this version of her out there? Probably gets <laughs> more likability in red state yeah. America. Uh, but you know, they didn't heed my, my advice on that. <laughs> it's a shame they should have. <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming, you know, everyone on the Hill there was pretty excited when the nationals won the, uh, world series a couple years back. huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was an inc- incredible run. And, uh, it was a great run. I was fortunate enough to, I went to game seven in Houston. So I was a diehard. My father was a diehard. Like we, we just, uh, you know, we adopted the team as soon as they came to Washington. Mm-hmm. And that was a crazy playoff run, not only because of the first game against Milwaukee to get in, which they won, you know, the eighth inning with Soto's walk-off, but, um, or sorry, bottom of the eighth, uh, Aubrey Guy single, but then the, the LA game in game five, which was crazy. And it, that's when you sort of knew that it was a team of destiny. And it, to be honest with you, I, the same feelings I had during that run, I kind of feel now a little bit. It's like you keep expecting this team to fall back or do something bad. And they kind of just always figure out a, a way uh, mm-hmm. at the end. And the other similarity between the Nats and the Bills is just like any given player can win the game. Like, of course, you have your superstars with, you know, Josh Allen and Diggs, which you have with the Nats, like Soto and Scherzer, right? We're good. But the Nats had, like, Howie Kendrick. That's kind of like Gabe Davis, right? And, and, and stuff like that. It's sort of like these random, like, they're Cole Beasley. Like, random yeah, I guys. can't believe he retired. Like, Patrick Corbin. He shouldn't have retired. I think that was a DH thing in the NL. But, like, Patrick Corbin, who was the hero of Game 7, which no one talks about, Syracuse kid, because he came in relief. Like, you have those type. You have like, that's kind of reminds me like what McKenzie does on occasion. Like both of those teams, the way they were built is you had the stars, but then the supporting cast was so good, and everyone played their role perfectly. And I see I see a lot of that in the Bills. And you know that if 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 we keep this run going, that that really is where the credit goes to is a guy like is is Bean, and for the roster he put together because this roster. Not a lot of holes in it. You know, we were a little worried about the D line at the beginning of the season, but they've they've gotten their stuff together. And and I mean, I'd like one more linebacker, but you know, we all would. <laughs> Do you have a favorite player on the team right now? Obviously, you know, sounds like you're a Josh Allen guy, but I mean, oh no, I, Milano because of, of Boston College. So that's okay. like the Boston College connection. Uh, but my favorite player is uh, I of just the guys I like right now. I actually really like Davis uh, yeah. because like. For his story being, well, he's a fifth round pick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, he's fifth round. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible to step in the way he did, and the way he gets his feet in is just nuts. And he's he's always freaking open, and he most always makes the catch. And you can't ask for for anything else. I mean, that's just that's great to see. I like uh, I like Jordan a lot too. He's cool. He flies around out there in the defensive side, and it's you know sometimes he sometimes he's a little out of position. I'm like, is he going to be able to get back? Can he get back? Can he get? And he does. He always he's always gets there when it matters. You know, yep. he's yep. fun to watch. So yeah, he's good, and I like Bojo. I mean, my God, he's been he's the star of the team. I mean, those punts are insane. You know. <laughs> I, I- I saw there was a guy in the stands this past week with a Bojo jersey on. I feel like there's not many. <laughs> I mean, the Mormon jersey was a huge hit for, for many was, years. But he was our know? only pro bowler for how long? I know, I, mean. I know, I know, I know. And uh, it's actually funny. I had had a chance to meet him, and I said, 
I got to ask you this question. I'm sure you've gotten it before, but you know, living in DC, they play that clip of the late great Sean Taylor <laughs> killing you at the Pro Bowl. Literally, <laughs> like every time they do a remembrance of Sean Taylor, like that's brought up in some capacity. And he was like, "Yeah, he hit me so hard it like didn't even hurt. It was like <laughs> one of those things where you just like both bounced off, and you're like, whoa, okay, it's it's like this clean hit." that I just took it all on my body and in my shoulder that it wasn't like that painful. I just got, got right back up and was like, okay. And he goes, it looked a lot worse than it was on TV. I said, okay. okay. It sounded pretty bad on TV too. I mean, also in a Pro Bowl. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it's like when uh, Pete Rose knocked down the catcher in the All-Star game. I mean, that's kind of his mind, man. That's crazy. It's crazy. So, Luke, we are – very thankful you were able to take some time with us here, but we're going to get to a lightning round in a little bit yeah. before we get there. I just got to, we got to ask you about the nature of Bill's fandom. There was a story this sure. week about the guy who was seen or shown crying at the end of the last game. And his story was that he had gone to his grandfather's grave before the game to say, you know, I'm finally going to a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And you are someone who's, you know, a famous Bill's fan and, but you, you were born into, into Bill's fan. Yeah. So I just, what what is it that's just different or special about Bill's fandom, and does it ever surprise you almost that people still want to have you on podcasts and like to, just? Yeah, I mean, it's care? it's it, it, my father. The way he said it was, uh, being a Buffalo Bills fan is a way of life, and that's the God's honest truth. And it's a collection of people who honestly believe, uh, no matter the odds, that. Not only can the team win, but also that they are literally a part of the team. The team is one with the community, more so than anywhere else in the NFL, aside from maybe Green Bay. And, you know, it's funny. Whenever I travel, I always will wear a Bills hat or a Bills shirt or sweatshirt or something. And every single airport, someone will say, go Bills, go Bills, (laughs) go Bills, right? And you see that commonality, and it's passed on to the Bills backer bars, which is something I was so happy to get into. You know, when I graduated from school and I, I came back to live in DC, and I've been to Bills backer bars all around the country. You know, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, Seattle, St. Augustine, Florida, Phoenix, Dallas. I mean, and these bars are all packed. You don't get that for other teams. You don't. You do not. You you might get it like you know. You, there's like an Eagles bar in a faraway city, and it's packed for like a big game. All right, these Bills backer bars. It could be the four and nine Bills uh, against the three and you know, ten, uh, you know, uh, Rams like a few years ago, and it's packed. And it's a cultural celebration. It's it's uh, Labatt and Wings and getting together to sing the shout song. So. I always try and tell people that it's a fandom that is unique. It's a fandom that's very special and it's made all the better when the players buy into it. And I think this core group of players really has bought into it and they understand it, which is fantastic. And reading that article that Dion Dawkins did at the players tribune, I was just, I was so floored because I said, this guy gets it, mm-hmm. he gets it. And, you know, we've had to deal with a lot. We've had to deal with a lot of people that were very mean-spirited and took pot shots. Uh, you know, people like Gilmore, who's just a complete and total loser. Uh, <laughs> and then you have, you know, Willis McGahee, you know, that type of stuff for, for too long. 
And for this group right now that appreciates the city and loves the city, and then take something like all those folks who showed up in some uh, freezing temperatures to welcome the plane back, what other, what other city does that for their NFL team? I mean, and they did that last year when the Bills lost coming back from Houston. No other city mm-hmm. would do that. You know, you mm-hmm. wouldn't see that in New York or LA or Dallas. You wouldn't see that. Um, and I think that's what makes the team so special is is the bond of the community, but also the belief that like no matter what, they're 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 going to find a way and they'll and they'll come back. And I do think the last point I'll make on it is you know, there was a lot of blind optimism for many years, where folks would sort of get tricked. And think like, oh well, you know, we got To, so we're going to be okay. Or <laughs> you know, here's McCoy, we're going to be okay. Or we signed Mario, and we're going to be okay. And it's here, it's really going to happen. It's really going to happen. It's really going to happen. And then it wouldn't happen, or there'd be something you know that would get in the way of it. But this team was built the right way. And I say, people, you know, I go, I think we got a great shot this year, but. If not, we have a good shot next year and the year after that uh, because we have a, a competent group in place. And, you know, I think we got to get as many kicks as we can before Alan's contract comes up. Yeah. But uh, there's this, this is literally, you know, it's the beginning. I mean, there is, this is a window that's pretty big, uh, all things considered, uh, with the stars that we, we have. And, you know, that trade for Mahomes, it, it's worked out. And I got, and I got a lot of arguments about this on Twitter. I think it was a great trade for us. I really do. You look at the players that came out of that trade: Edmonds. All right, you got Edmonds, Trey White, and Dawkins. All came out of that trade, and then they were smart enough to Josh, draft Josh Allen. And if Pat Mahomes makes it to the Bills, there's no way he's Pat Mahomes. Because who was our offensive coordinator that first year? Rich Rick, uh, Rick Dennison. Yeah, yeah, Rick Dennison. Yeah, Pat Mahomes is not going to be the MVP with Rick Dennison. Okay, <laughs> let's just like let's let's just put that out there. He walked into a perfect situation. He's an incredible talent. Don't get me wrong, but to have Andy Reid, to have a year behind Alex Smith, to have Andy Reid, who is the best quarterback coach probably in, in the NFL, if not who ever existed, he's quite good. He's in those weapons. He's got a good. Mm-hmm. He's got. He's in a good place. So mm-hmm. I I think that had he been in Buffalo, we're not. We're, it's not the same Pat Mahomes. Probably been good. But he's not Pat Mahomes, so I, I like the trade. I like the trade a lot. I've said the exact same thing as you, as far as if Pat Mahomes was in Buffalo, he would not be the same. And you know, I, I, I again, I think he's a great football player and all that. Luckily, you know, this season Josh Allen has worked out very well for Buffalo. But if Pat Mahomes was a Buffalo Bill, he would not be. Well, he wouldn't. And, and that that, right that's what I'm. You know, again. Mahomes is deserving of everything he has. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's an incredible talent. He's a once-in-a-generation talent. But this idea that he did not walk into an incredible situation drives me freaking nuts. It's like mm-hmm. so much in, in football and in the NFL is, is the relationship between quarterback and coach and the system they are put into, right? Mm-hmm. Does the system suit them? And, you know, that's another, you know, credit to Dabble for us. Like, he's really gone out of his way to tailor the system to Allen and Allen's strengths. I mean, I still think we get too cute at times, but overall it, it plays to the strengths, um, which is great to see. Much more so than who – who is that offensive coordinator? Uh, Hackett. 
Remember Hackett? Hackett? Oh yeah. my god! Like Hackett had coach interviews right now, which is insane. But like Hackett would literally do like the opposite of what the strengths of our quarterbacks were, and which yes. would drive me nuts. You know, that, that was also partially on uh, on King Doug or Captain Doug, whatever you wanted to go. Oh, uh, Saint Doug, Saint Doug. Yeah, Saint he's, Doug. Out, of, he's out of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hope, yeah. Hopefully, he has a no hopefully, he has with the Jets. That'd be great. Oh, he'd be great if. Oh, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. The irony is Bronx boy returns. Yeah, 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 yeah. You talk about yeah, how much he's from the Browns. Yeah, but you know, he, you guys just touched on like, my God, you know these, you know, at least we're old enough to at least remember a little bit of the glory, glory mm-hmm. years, right? Mm-hmm. I think about my cousin who's, uh, I think he just turned like twenty nine. You know, like his glory years was was the the two thousand four game against the Steelers scrub that we lost and we couldn't get to the playoffs, and that was like it, you know. <laughs> and you just think about that, or like the Music City Miracles is like, or the far the forward laterals is like first memory. So like, that's a that's a story of this team is, you know, and we don't talk about it as much anymore because there has been, I think, an appropriate movement away from the "woe is me" stuff, which is good. Mm-hmm. Like you should have a little bit of confidence everyone's playing. But yeah, Doug Marone. I mean, Dick Duron to Chan Gailey to Doug Marone to like Nate Hack. Oh my God, man! Like, jeez, woo. Yeah. Yeah. Not easy. Not easy. So, Lou, I, I'm a lot like you, right? I'm a Bills fan because of my dad. My dad was right. a season ticket holder forever when we lived in Buffalo, and he was going to games since the 80s until we moved away to yeah. Florida. Um, so, so I am who I am, and I tell my dad all the time, I said, it's your fault that I am <laughs> a fan of this team. Like, you did this to me. Right. And I've read a lot of your dad's books. My family are big fans of your dad and 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 every time he was on tv my mom would always stop what she was doing and watch your dad on tv there you go uh, but with all of that said what would your dad think of this historic team this year oh, he'd like, love it. Would he-, he would love it and he would love it because it's again i go back to the way i said it, it's built the right way mm-hmm. like what's so great about this team is it's this isn't like a one-off this isn't like Oh, you know, we have some old quarterback coming in on like a Drew Bledsoe's coming back on his swan song, and can he will this team to the playoffs and you know maybe get a win and build the future? Because for the first time in so long, we're not talking about potential, right? Where we're away from potential, it's actual actual action. And uh, my dad would just love that because that's something that you not only know, but also that you're going to hold on to for at least a few seasons, which mm-hmm. will make you happy. But I think the thing that he would be extraordinarily excited about is the culture shift, uh, is that it, Buffalo is now taken seriously again. And I think that any uh, kid who gets drafted into the Bills will be excited about it. Uh, Bill's Mafia is a thing, and the rest of the league is taking notice. And mm-hmm. the fun loving aspect of it is also up there. And you know, so I think sometimes a little bit scary with people going through tables, but you know, that tells a little bit. And I think that's cool too. It's like the culture, the, the, the culture of the team is good, and the culture of the city is now well known. And both of them are very attractive. So I, I do not think in the next five years you're going to have a draft pick complain about the Bills or a free agent be like, I'm not going to go to Buffalo, right? I think mm-hmm. that, that that ship has sailed, and that's what would have made my dad more happy than anything else, is that the city gets the respect that it, it, it deserves. Mm-hmm. 
He, he, and, and that was the one thing that I always respected about him was just how much he loved the city of Buffalo. Even when at, at the time, you know, Buffalo was considered one of the lowest of the low cities in the entire country, you know, and recently, you know, really built themselves up to be a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. But even when it was at its ugliest peak, it was still all about Buffalo and how great yeah. it was. No, boost Buffalo. And, and you know, that's, again, that's something I, I tell you know, younger kids is, Buffalo has gone through all these transformations and, and I go back as, as much as I can. And I, you know, I always enjoy it, but it's so nice to see the Renaissance and you know, see it as this, this hip place to be. And now with climate change, it's, it's now the climate refugee city to <laughs> so go buy your land. It'll be the spot to be come 2070, maybe not for us, but for the kids and the grandkids. I mean, Buffalo is the next New York. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, Luke, you ready for lightning round? You yeah, can take these true, anywhere true. you want to go. All right. All right. You left NBC at age 30. You said you basically wanted to take some time and yeah. travel and, and get the experiences you missed out on basically being so married to the job. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to and what's your favorite place to travel? Well, I've been, I've literally gone to 70 countries since then. Wow. And uh, I'm writing a book about it, a travel memoir. Uh, writing is significantly more difficult than bloviating on TV or a podcast. Uh, so I, I wrote a draft that was literally over 300,000 words. So I had to cut that down because that's war and peace style. So we have to you know, cut that in half. Um, favorite place that I went to? Uh, the one, you know, there were some places that were deeply meaningful. Uh, Rwanda was deeply meaningful. Nicaragua was deeply meaningful. Japan was deeply meaningful. Uh, but the one that really stuck with me is a place called Easter Island. Five and a half hours off the coast of Chile, it's where these stone heads are that you mm-hmm. probably are familiar with are there. Uh, and that's a very wild place because it's a five and a half hour plane ride, and it's such a small island that when the plane lands, the, the entire place shakes. And when that plane leaves, like you're not going back anytime soon because the, the ships take two weeks to get back to, to Chile or to, to, to Tahiti. So you're really, really out there, really in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and when I was there, there was like one little working Wi-Fi thing in the town square. Uh, now I think it's gotten a little bit more uh, built up. But that was a very special place. You can do a lot of uh, deep and soulful thinking there. So that's a, that's a cool trip. If, you, if you've been saving your money to travel after COVID, consider Easter Island. It's, it's well worth it. Okay. If, if you could take one thing with you, you know, from – let's keep it Buffalo-related. If you take sure. one thing from Buffalo with you on your travels, what would it be? Uh, chicken wings. Okay. And it's okay. interesting because I would actually try the wings in different countries. Because every, every country most always has an Irish pub uh, mm-hmm. that shows sports games, like whether, you know, you're Africa or Middle East or uh, you know, Latin America and Europe and Asia and whatever – and they would all, a lot of them would sell like buffalo wings, right? Mm. And have their own kind of spin on them. Um, none of them particularly good. But where I actually had, there's two places I actually had really good wings. Mexico City, but I'll be at that's not that far. So that that's in the Americas. So that's kind of normal. But then I was in, um, I was in Jordan, Amman, Jordan for the Bills Dallas Thanksgiving game. And I went to this sports bar and they had incredible wings that were actually crispy with the right buffalo sauce. 
And I was like, gee, okay, Amon Jordan with the good wing, you know, that wasn't soggy and come, came out of the microwaves, actually fry later and everything. It was fantastic. Interesting. So, yeah, you can you can find them. Uh, but, yeah, the, definitely in the wing. Definitely in the wing. I heard you once got hustled by a monkey in Bali. Yeah. What happened, what happened there? Uh, I was at this temple and – they have all these signs where they say, you know, be, be, beware of the monkeys because they'll steal your glasses and they'll steal your jewelry or they'll steal your phone. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it's this beautiful temple that overlooks the ocean with this grand cliff and it's this teal water that's lapping against the stone. It's totally surreal. You lose yourself in it and it's complete blissful zen. So I'm out there looking and lo and behold, I feel this like hand slap atop my head and the monkey took my sunglasses and i was like oh my god like this is this is not good and so the monkey is sort of looking at me like playing with the glasses and i'm like oh this is not good and then out of nowhere this old man comes and he's like oh well you know if you throw him some fruit he may drop the uh sunglasses and you can grab them and i just so happen to have this fruit bag here which i'll happily give you for five dollars which uh, <laughs> in indonesia that's a lot of money right in, in that capacity so i bought the fruit and i threw it at the monkey and then the monkey you know handed me the glasses back and i'm sure the guy probably pulled that on you know ten more people wow, that's, that's a nice but, gig uh, they got there. he's got a good gig but yeah those monkeys are legit there and um you know, they're, they're in a lot of countries, the monkeys are kind of what, how we treat squirrels. I mean, they're omnipresent in, mm. in an odd way, and they kind of just move around, and they're considered a nuisance, and you know, they'll jump on cars, and uh, you know, they'll hiss at you. And I was staying at a hotel in Cambodia, and one of them like ran into the ran into the pool, which was not like scattering all these people. It was hysterical, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, yeah. D d don't underestimate their ability to take your stuff. That's crazy. I didn't think monkeys would be like. Oh I, I don't I, like. I, I would never think of that. I guess you know. Well, you think about it. I mean, in, in you know, they don't. Their habitats are kind of taken over, right? And so right. they're they're urban. They're in an urban environment, or they're in an environment where they encounter a lot of people with food. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you know, it's like raccoons. Uh, how they how they get when. And they right. That's true. in the neighborhood or possums and stuff like that. I mean, it's surreal, but it's just like, as you grow up in the United States, like you're preconditioned, like, Oh, it's a monkey. It's going to be in a zoo. Like that's, that's what they're, that's what they do. And then they're walking down the street and you go, oh, hold your cell phone. The monkeys, the monkeys coming down, hold your food. The monkeys can feel it. It's crazy. That's crazy. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Where, so I know you said you try to go back to Buffalo often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, when you do go back, where do you have to go? for chicken wings in town? Uh, so everyone has their place. Uh, you know, my cousin likes the, the nine 11 tavern wings a lot. Uh, I've gone there. Week that's been mentioned uh, on here. Yeah. I, I like them fine. Um, I really like Duff's. I know that's conformist and that's commercialized, but there's just something about the crisp they have. It's, okay. just, it's it it's like consistently crispy every time and not too cute. The Blackthorn in South Buffalo does a decent wing. Uh, that's that's pretty good. There used to be a bar there. I think the, the old man finally passed away at age like 105 called Daly's. Um, that was more drinking, but sometimes they would bring wings there that were quite good. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I would go with, uh, I'm simple and easy. I like the Duff swing a lot. Lenovo is okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. It's good. Um, but yeah, my cousin will kill me if he hears this. He'll be like, 9-11 tavern, don't be a corporate sellout. Screw you. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so that's my, my hipster mention for 9-11 tavern. But it's right. I, 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 Atlanta, I'm a loser. I like, I like Duff's. I'm, I'm, I'm with you though. In Atlanta, we just got, so we had a Duff's. Uh, just south of the airport here, and it actually mm-hmm. just closed a couple weeks ago. Oh, uh, gosh. but they opened up an anchor bar probably about 10 minutes from my house. Oh, cool! So I got yeah. one from there a few weeks ago, and yeah, yeah. the best thing I've had in town. Yeah, um, one of my buddies he sent me the what's that new a gold belly or something? He sent me to be a gold belly a few months ago. I was out in California, he sent me uh, some wings from. from uh, the anchor bar through that, which were fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's easy. It's easier to get a good wing now. And I have to say with all the Buffalo expats, uh, they, you know, a lot of them open restaurants and in, in, in their new cities and they mm-hmm. serve good, good wings and, and beef on weck and the pizza, the Buffalo pizzas now has gotten really big, yes. really, really big. There's actually a place that I'll plug them. They're quite good here in DC. It's called, Bad Pizza, B-A-D-D, which is a bad name. And I told the guy who started it was a bad name. I joked with him. That's probably a bad name. But he called it Bad Pizza. And they have very good wings in, in Buffalo-style wings and Buffalo-style pizza. So they're, they're, they're quite good. They're quite good. Okay. But I have wings for every game. And, uh, yeah, that's sort of my streak. You know, remember, like, the, the Jim Kelly, Frank Wright, like, ate at that table during the, the Super, that Super Bowl season, one of the Super Bowl seasons. So every game on this winning streak, I've ordered 20 wings from this place called Wingo's, which is close to me, and uh, eaten all 20. So, you know, it's a tough job. Someone has to do it. But, <laughs> yeah, it's, we're going to keep, keep the streak alive. All right, Luke, last one from me. Uh, we can't let you go. we got to ask a little bit about the state of, of our country here. No, we, please, we, we, no. we have to stick to sports here. Uh, you, you tweeted, this isn't surprising if you've been awake. Uh, would you just mind sharing with the listeners sort of what, what you meant by that and what broader lessons on, on just uh, stay, staying attuned to power? Yeah, Uh I think something that makes the United States of America truly unique is the peaceful transition of power. It goes back to the founding of the Republic. Uh, George Washington, the reason why he's considered so great is not only because he won the Revolutionary War as a general, but because he could have been king. Had he wanted to be king, he could have been king. And he willfully said, no, I'm not going to be king. I'm not going to do that. We are going to be a republic. We're going to be a democratic form of government, and I'm going to happily hand over this power that I have to the next person in line who has been elected freely by you know, the people at the time. And it was evidently clear uh, for me, just as a former reporter, watching the, this current administration, what they did from the beginning, uh, they were focused on obliterating all norms and things that were... Uh, always sort of expected throughout American history were getting trounced and pushed over. And then specifically when it comes to the peaceful transition to power, if you have someone in office that said, well, no, they actually won in two, they won the popular vote in 2016, but it was because of, of tens of millions of illegal immigrants voted. I mean, it's just completely untrue. You have someone that's falsifying their crowd numbers 
all right, in 2016, and you see this steady progression of anything that is a is a loss is because someone cheated or that something bad happened to them that they were you know personally offended or abused in some capacity. So you start to see that, and you start to see a lot of people in the president's party go along with that reasoning. And for me, it was very obvious that it was not going to get better because I went to those rallies when I was a reporter. There was a lot of folks that truly believed, you know, the country was under assault and that, you know, the Democrats were going to come take everyone's gun and make them you know, worship at the altar of Bill Gates. I mean, this stuff was pretty widespread in those rallies in 16 and it's only gotten worse since then. So when you see that part of the fanaticism, that part of the party and the fanaticism stroked, you know, a bunch of people would say to me, well, don't worry about that. That's just some of the, some of the, the crazies. And you know, the left has some crazies too, and everyone has to deal with that, and it's all good. It's like, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, sure, the left has crazies. The difference is the president of the United States is not listening to them. <laughs> and in this case, the president of the United States is listening to people who literally believe that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex ring out of a pizza shop. And I think that the media, a lot of the time, sort of missed this, didn't realize the severity of it. And uh, it was pretty obvious that this, the, 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 the current president was not going to go away um, without you know, saying, a few, saying a few things that were uh, incendiary and uh, trying, to, trying to bend uh, the, the levers of power that he controlled to his side no matter what the costs and consequences were. And one of the things that I think is, is very important to say is this isn't partisan. I mean, I think a lot of folks get caught up into it. It's like, oh, there's Trump derangement syndrome and everyone hates Trump and everyone, okay, it's like, yeah, you can, you can be a conservative and be like, yeah, Trump lost. Like mm -hmm. the conservative elections board in Georgia run by a Republican governor, Republican secretary of state, certified the results and said that he lost. Same thing in Arizona, right? You don't have anyone in a position of power in Pennsylvania and their Republican dominated a state house saying that he did not lose, right? Like, this has all been vetted. And that's, I think, what's very frustrating to me just watching this is, you know, conservatism is needed in the United States. It's, it's important for a government a country, a democracy to have a conservative party. You need to have that check on liberalism. And the same thing, it's important to have a liberal party uh, because things go out of whack. You know, I lived in San Francisco the last two years for, for months at a time. I see there are limits of liberalism. Trust me, they exist. Okay. And when you have a conservative party that's essentially been hijacked by, I mean, Q, QAnon, I mean, God help us. And that's, that's not good. And we'll see how this ends. I mean, it was terrifying last week in, in D.C. When, uh, when, when all that happened in the Capitol. I worked there for seven years. So it was like watching my house get burglarized. I mean, I knew all the rooms where I was happening. Uh, but that's scary stuff. It's scary stuff. And that needs to be tampered down. And I, I hope after everyone watched that, like, you know, there's consequences now. And you see it. Like you just can't say this, the crazy stuff in the country where we have more guns than people because some people believe it, you know, some people believe it. Yeah. Georgia, Georgia's a bit crazy right now with everything going on, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it was a mess here for, for a couple of weeks, 
couple of weeks and, you know, with the runoff election and everything, but things, I really, I will say all in all, after the runoff election seems, things seem to settle right yeah. down. I think, and that's the hope is after inauguration that things kind of just settle down for a little bit, but it's, you know, credit to Georgia and that governor and that secretary of state and that elections official who are by no means liberals, by no mm-hmm. means Democrats. I mean, they held their own uh, under an assault from, from this white house. And yep. there's a lot to be, there's a lot of credit to be given to that. And it, it to me, it's, I always point to, I'm like, if you believe what they're saying, then it's the biggest conspiracy in the history of Western civilization, you know? And then my all time favorite is you have these members of Congress that are challenging the presidential results, but then they don't challenge their own results. So it was like, Oh, in Georgia, you won your race. So your race was legit, but the presidential one wasn't like, Mm -hmm. what, Mm -hmm. how does that, that doesn't even pass the smell test. Well, they, they didn't, they just cheated on that one. They didn't cheat on mine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. They, they didn't care about. They didn't yeah, care about it's just it's it's yeah, it's it's sad. But uh, you know, you gotta stay optimistic. Stay optimistic. So I, I gotta ask you my 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 last question to you. Sure. Living in Atlanta, I've I've adopted the Braves as my baseball team. I was in right. you know Nationals are 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 a big rival of ours. Sure. Um, so how do you see baseball season going this year? Obviously, I, I the Braves said they're gonna have fans in the seats this year. Uh, they, they announced that today, but it sounds like spring training may be delayed. What's your outlook on the Nats? So I'm a I'm a Nats season ticket holder. I'm a diehard, as I told you before. I have uh, you know friends in the organization, and the expectation was there to be like a month delay for there to have time for the vaccine to get into more arms, and maybe have like a, a May first. Uh, opening day or something of that nature and then play a, a smaller schedule. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from James Carvel is the only two institutions that have survived the idiots that have run it are the Catholic church and major league baseball and major league baseball. It seems that the union after they, you know, to their credit, they bent backwards last season. They don't want to go to a, a truncated schedule. They want 162 because they don't want to lose any money on that. Right. So if they're going to go by that, then it starts off, you know, per normal, or maybe there's a shorter spring training or whatever, but look at the problems the NBA is having right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and yeah, baseball showed that, yeah, they could do it, but, uh, it was at a time of year when the virus was less severe and, and people were, you know, there, it was, it was easier to be outside and whatnot. But uh, if I was commissioner, I would try and delay it a month, get more vaccines in there. Then you can get people in the stands. Uh, but even if it's a short, small number, like yeah, a warm summer day with the mask on, I, I'd feel pretty comfortable in that situation. You know, I, I, I wouldn't freak out about that, but Absolutely. we'll see. We'll see. And the in and uh, East, I mean the Mets are legit now. I was so upset when that guy bought him. I was so upset when that guy bought him because I uh, Cohen. As soon as he bought it, I go, oh god, they're going to be really good now. <laughs> they're the favorite to win the division from better. They should mind. be. They should be. And you know the thing with that guy is he's going to do everything in his power to stick it to the Yankees by making the Mets the better team in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the Nationals have some fight left in them. They you know they're they're a little old on the arms, but they have at least in their two seasons, I think. And then Philly, God knows what they do. 
that um, they they have Bryce, and you see what happens with that. And then the Braves are just stacked. And those contracts the Braves got, I mean, talk about robbery. My God. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they got a lot of guys on, on a lot of young contracts. And Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. But they they, they should be good. It's going to be a great division. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to it, watch. It was one of the most fun ones to watch, even on the shortened schedule last year. I thought it was one of the yeah. more fun yeah. Yeah, for, for, for sure. I mean, I, baseball kind of lost me a little bit there. I, mean, I, I turned it back on for the playoffs. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was by far. I agree with you. And the Blue Jays were a great story in Buffalo. Um, yeah, that that's something that they should do. They should play one weekend series a year in Buffalo. Uh, they would they would kill it, or even just one game, you know, yeah. or, or one Monday getaway game. It would be like a holiday in the city. It'd be fantastic. And they show that's they can do it. Too. Yeah, it'd be, it, why not? I mean, what, what, seriously, why not? It's just a, it's a great sports town. They adopt, you know, whoever comes down, whatever the sport is. Well, adopt. it's one of those things. It's a, I've always thought it was weird that Buffalo is is a Yankees city because it's so much closer to Toronto and Cleveland. I get the America aspect of it, and I get that Yes Network basically went into the region and radicalized everybody to the Yankees, which is fine. But – like my uncle, to his credit, he was always a Blue Jays fan. He's like, "Yeah, I can drive to go see them and come back in the same day. It's fun. Like I don't care that they're they're Canadian and they're not the Maple Leafs. Like it's good. Like we're okay. You know, like it's it's okay." So he was always a Blue Jays fan, and he loved it. And those great '90s teams, like Joe Carter, John Olerud, all those guys. But yeah, I, I they they should play a game in Buffalo. They should. Why not? Well, you heard it here first. We're, we're going we, to yeah, we'll work on that. that that's, uh, that's a smart thing to do. Call, we got to call Terry up, see if Terry can make it happen. You know? Call Bob Rich, see what he can do. There you go. There you go. Well, but, but, but like the logistics of it aren't that hard, right? It's like so long yeah. as you split part of the gate with the Blue Jays uh, or significant part of the gate with the Blue Jays, and you could even sell the tickets for, for a higher price. Yeah, I mean, the, the players were all bent out of shape last year that the locker rooms were small, and, like, they'd have to deal with that for one day unless they – Yeah, they, they fi- but they fixed them, you know? and, and well, Yeah, well, they, yeah. They, they set them up in the concourse, basically. In the concourse, just, right, yeah. So, so if fans so were there, that'd be tough. Yeah, one game one, like one that. Day. Yeah, and you could even do it, you know, if it was, like, a three-game series, it's just, like, the Sunday. Right. Just the Sunday yeah. 135 game. Why not? All right, Luke, thank you so much for joining right, us. Thank you. At Thanks so much, Luke. Name, Luke Russert. Luke, you got a score prediction for us before you go? Bills, Ravens? Uh, 38-34, Bills. Take the over, kids. Yes. I like 38-34. And, and uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with. I don't care about the weather. Those teams are going to score. <laughs> They're going to score. <laughs> Optimistic. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, love that. Luke, thank you that. so much. And if there is a God, if there is a God, Browns versus Bills AFC title game. <laughs> I mean, the, the meteor will probably hit Earth before that happens, but yeah, there you go. The world might end even if that does. Yeah, that, that's my point. So, yeah, that'd be wild. <laughs> All right, Luke. Have a good week. Thank you, you so guys. much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Man, that was a, uh, a fun interview. I liked having Luke on. Um, Man, he's 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 for for a guy out of state. He is knowledgeable on the bills and everything going on. He, he, he could talk about anything. It seems like for for ten minutes if we let him go, anything in the world. And he makes it so interesting. Like it's not even like like he it, it, it he he was a really fun interview. Don't don't tell Bray, but he may have been my favorite interview we've done all year. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bray, Bray listens. He might uh, he might text you about that one. Bray and Luke, like they probably don't live far away from each other. They should become friends, man. To watch the game. Hey, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, you know, have them on together. I feel like it'd be a good uh, good conversation with the two of them. Luke's a little bit more optimistic than me for this week, by the way. I can't believe you of all people need optimism. I'm nervous, man. Like, like, so I've been going back and forth in like my head all week, right? Like I've seen, I, I read things on Twitter and people, you know, you don't have to play in the game, right? I know that, but here, <laughs> here's what, I'm, I'm there. I'm there in spirit. Like I love this team as I've talked about so many times, like this team means so much to me in my life. Like, you know, being from Buffalo, the bills are all we've had for, for so, so long, but they've also let us down so many times that I feel like I, I, I almost, I I feel like a puppet. Like, I, I guess that's the best way to describe it. Like, they're playing around and having fun. And it's only a matter of time before they they snip those strings away. And I don't want to see the season end. Don't be wrong. This has been one of the most fun seasons that I can remember as a fan. And I don't want to see the season end. But I just don't know how, for as bad as the run defense was last week, against a mediocre run game in Indianapolis, I just don't know how they contain this run game of – um, of Baltimore between Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Edwards, if Ingram plays, like last week Ingram was inactive, but if Ingram plays as well, I mean, that's a four-headed monster right there on the ground alone. If they could find a way to force Lamar throw, to force Lamar to throw the ball 30 times, they win the game, in my opinion. And, and, and their defense scares me as well. I mean, they, they have a very good defense, and it's the best defense Buffalo's faced all year, hands down. Does it make you feel any better that Vegas has them as the two and a half point favorite? No, Nick, it doesn't. I would rather go into this game with the underdog. Really? Yes. Why? Because I we're we're Buffalo, man. We're always the underdogs, no matter what. And and fact check, not true. Well, you know, I I feel. I, 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 the first thing that I got this week from my Atlanta friends, uh, Falcons fans, first text I got after the game on Saturday was, well, at least you guys won one. Enjoy your Super Bowl this season. And I'm like, you know, yes, I'm glad we won this game. And I was excited that the Bills won that game. And I, much like I'm sure all of Bills Mafia thought for sure, Buffalo is going to be playing Pittsburgh on, set, on Saturday, not playing Baltimore. And I had a lot more confidence going into playing Pittsburgh and coming out with a win and going to Kansas City and playing Kansas City. Um, I just there's just something about Baltimore that worries me. I, I yes, I could say it's the run game till I'm blue in the face, but there's just something about them that I feel like this this is the perfect matchup for Baltimore, and this game fits Baltimore a lot more than what it fits Buffalo. The only the other only thing I'm optimistic about is Josh Allen being able to expose that man-heavy defense. And Josh Allen's done a really good job in man-to-man defenses this year. He did a really good job against San Francisco, who played a lot of man against him. And Josh Allen's done – and he has three good receivers, four good receivers. You know, we can count Gabe Davis in that conversation now as well. Four good receivers who are very good against the man. 
And if, if Stefan Diggs can find a way to make a few double moves on Peters, Stefan Diggs is going to be open all day. Peters can't guard that double move. It's been noted. It's been shown. He, he, he bites every time on that first move. If it's snowing and the receivers can't cut the way they need to, then I'm concerned. I think that helps the receiver. If you your cuts don't have to be as sharp because there's a higher chance of the defensive back slipping. Yeah, but I mean, how do you make a cut if if you can't make that sharp cut? I mean, you don't. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to make it as sharp. You just have to threaten to make it and make them make a move and have them slip. The other thing, I mean, yeah, it's so hard, man. Like, I'm I'm so back and forth. I literally have changed my mind probably a million times this week whether or not I think the Bills are going to win this game. Lamar Jackson never played in snow. It's his first game playing in snow. Mm-hmm. Anything can change there. It's it's um, Stephon Diggs and Micah Hyde came out this week saying, yeah, we don't like playing in the cold. Well, dude, guys, you're in Buffalo now. You're going to play a lot of games in the cold, not just this playoff game. Be lucky that you had a mild November and December this year and you didn't have a typical Buffalo fall and winter. You know, Um I when they said this game was at eight fifteen, I wasn't expecting to have the nice weather like what they had last week, but I thought it was still early enough in the year, or I thought it was late enough in the year that they could have gotten through a game with no weather to worry about. Yep. By the way, I did look up your uh, Stefan Diggs's mother story. So yes. it turns out so Diggs wanted to be drafted. He said. I'm the best receiver in my draft, I think, when he came out. And his uh, his younger brother, Trayvon Diggs, was playing in the college football championship game. And his mother's at the game, runs into Ravens GM Ozzie Newsome, who is well-respected. And Stefan Diggs' mother goes up to Ozzie Newsome and says, you didn't pick my son. They should fire your ass. Direct quote. <laughs> wow. Okay. She's got, she's got, think of how much fire Stefan must have. If that's how much fire the mom's got. I feel like he'd have more fire if this game was in Baltimore because he'd be coming home to play against the hometown team, mm-hmm. and he and, and he would really want to. I feel like light a fire under him then. Um, maybe still. I mean, Ozzie Newsom's not there anymore in Baltimore, so you know, I I, I don't know. I and, and truthfully, what more motivation does Stephon Diggs need? For as much everyone said he was going to be a cancer to the locker room, and he was going to be a problem to the locker room, a problem to the team, and how much everyone said he would hate Josh Allen and. Yada, yada, yada. And here is the season having career numbers, setting Bill's records in his first year, um, getting named to named all pro, getting named to a pro bowl, um, all things that he wasn't able to do in Minnesota. And you know what? He's having fun doing it. I don't know what other motivation he needs. He's the one. He is one of the least players that I'm worried about being motivated. Him, Josh Allen, I'm sure they're motivated. Josh Allen, though, as we've seen, when he is motivated and hungry – can either be Houston Josh Allen or San Francisco Seattle, um, you know, insert game this season here where Josh Allen has had a great game. You you can either get you can get one or the other. You know, we saw it with Kansas City. We didn't get this great Josh Allen that we got for um, ten wins this year. There are twelve wins this year. On 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 one win one loss this year was a bad Josh Allen game. And it was a game that everybody was hyped up for. Everybody wanted to see. It was a game that the entire national media was ready for. And Josh Allen, for the most part, came out and laid an egg in that game. Um, They got to find a way somehow this week 
to keep Josh Allen involved. And 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 I was watching the game from last year, Nick, and I noticed mm-hmm. Dable did not use Josh Allen's legs a lot. And when he did, it was on the short runs, you know, third and one, fourth and one situations, and either ran him up the middle or tried to run that QB sweep to the outside. I feel like Dable has advanced his offense a little bit more this year to allow Josh some different things, but they have to find a way to get him to use his legs, especially if they're playing man, because Buffalo's got the better receivers. Buffalo's offensive line this year, I think, is on a, a better. Uh oh, we lost Charlie. I don't know if I lost you. Hang on. Are you okay? <laughs> Yeah, we we heard a bang and then there was I saw black, so I, I didn't know if you had been robbed or what happened. <laughs> no, my computer fell off the desk. <laughs> oh, probably should try to not do that. I'm getting excited talking with my hands. The computer fell off the desk. Um, <laughs> Bill's offensive line though has been a lot better this year as well. So I'm expecting, um, you know, Josh Allen to have more time back in the pocket. I, I don't know, man. Like I'm talking myself into like saying, "Hey, Bills by a billion," but. I don't see this being a Bills by a billion or Bills by three touchdowns game. Like it's going to be, I think it's going to be tight either way. Like one team might get up, but it's it's not going to be over until the fourth quarter. Like there's going to be a comeback. It's going to be, it's going to, I feel like we're in for a great football game. You know, we, we've been saying this all season as well, too. There has to be a game where as good as the offense plays, the defense is going to have to come out and win the Bills a game. This is that perfect game that we talk about so many times. You know, it, it, it and that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, so I saw the Ravens blitz at the highest rate of any team in the league, and Josh Allen faced the most blitzes of any quarterback in the league. That's going to be an interesting dynamic is how how do you cover mm-hmm. all three, you know, three solid receivers or four if they even go to four, plus Knox has been getting involved. How do you send the blitz that often – and still cover all those guys. Josh has been good against the Blitz this year. He seems to something click for him this offseason in his in his mental recognition, and he knows where to go. He's dissecting the defense better, and he basically knows if the Blitz is coming, if they're sending a dog, if they're sending the linebackers, I'm gonna throw. I have a route, you know. I, I can motion someone there, and I'm basically throwing right into the teeth of the Blitz and taking and taking the hole that the Blitzer leaves. He has shown. Very good uh, play diagnosis all season long. So I'm interested to see how they change their blitzes and throw them at them, if they go zone blitz, if they drop some of the ends into coverage maybe. Still, how do you take guys out of coverage against this receiving core? I don't know. What do you think? The the one thing that that, that does excite me a little bit is McDermott did say today that uh, TJ Yeldon is going to be active and he is going to more or less take over that role for Zach Moss. One thing that TJ Yeldon me, honestly, dude, like I don't want him taking over Moss's role. Now I, I, who knows how much, right? Like, I guess we should be, who knows how much he didn't really say how much he just said he's, he, he's going to be replacing Zach Moss is what he said. Those were his words. But the one thing TJ Yeldon does well is he's very good at picking up the blitz. And I think he does that a lot better than what Devin Singletary does. So this is a good game for him to be active. He's also very good at catching the ball out of the backfield. His one touchdown this year was a beautiful catch in the end zone. So maybe 
this is a great game for TJ Yeldon to be active in. Um, I did like, by the way, speaking of running backs, I did like the sign of Devonta Freeman to the uh, practice right. squad. Came out um, of nowhere. I was calling for that way earlier in the year. But he, I I he, he had COVID earlier this year, so he didn't have to go through the waiting period, and he could practice already this week. I'm, I am shocked. I, I'm, I won't be surprised if he maybe gets a call up, but I feel like it's going to go to Antonio Williams. As a, it, would, as it would be should. weird to bring a guy in and play him immediately. Do you think we get a Kenny Stills game this week? Uh, no, I think they're uh, the injury part looks really good for the Bills. Beasley and Diggs, neither of them have an injury designation, so that was good to see for me. I think they're going to keep rolling with what they got. Do you think uh, now Duke Willers got called up last week, or was he just called up just get, uh, for the game specifically? I you know, know. I'm sure they're doing practice squad calls because I, I believe he – I saw nothing that said he went back down to the practice squad, so I'm assuming he's on the roster. Um, But I'll, I'll have to look that up. But um, do you think we get a Duke Williams game this week? No, I, I think we get exactly what we got last week. They're going to roll their three guys or, or four guys if there's an injury with um, uh, getting Davis in there. Maybe we see some more McKenzie. We didn't see McKenzie very much no. at all last week. And yeah. I, I got to think he hasn't, at least at least in the game, I don't know about practice, he hasn't played poorly given his role. So I had to think that was game plan specific. I would think we're going to see more Isaiah McKenzie gadget plays this week. It's going to be the game, you know, as high as my heart rate was last week, man. My heart rate is going to be through the roof this week. Like I, I'm – I. I've had friends that wanted to come over and watch the game and I've told them, no, like, sorry. I, I more or less for myself. I don't want to like not have friends after this game's over <laughs> from yelling and screaming so much, but uh, just for the simple fact that it's like, um, if, if the bills lose, like I just kind of want, I, I want my own space. I want no one around me. I want to be able to be in my feelings at that point, <laughs> you know? Um, but if, even if they win, like, I want to be in my feelings because I don't know how I'm going to react. I, I've, I've, in my lifetime, like we've said before, have never seen this team, to my memory, make it that far in the playoffs. I've never seen them win a playoff game, which they did. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, I was a little bit emotional. Um, you know, I, I, I had a tear or two in my eyes. Who knows how I'm going to be this week? I mean, it's, it's a it's, – it's, if there's one thing <laughs> – that could bring this country together. It's Buffalo Bills football. <laughs> it's the Buffalo Bills being good. As crazy as that sounds, because there is Bills fans on the left, on the right, and all over this country. There is Bills fans everywhere you go, and or someone knows somebody from Buffalo or whatever it might be. So you know, Buffalo angle. There is, and and my wife even laughs at me even here. I go somewhere, I have a Bills hat on. I would say. Nine out of ten times out of the house, someone will will yell at me, go Bills. Or they'll honk at me on my car because I got the Bills license plate. I got the Bills magnet on my car. Like, you know, I let people know, hey, Bills Mafia, like, let's go. Um, or even when we go on vacations, we go on vacations, my whole wardrobe is Bill shirts. Like, <laughs> we go to Disney, I wear a Bill shirt. We go wherever we are, I, have, I always have Bill shirts on because I keep track of when we're gone, how many go Bills I get. Or, oh, you're from Buffalo? I'm from Buffalo. Um, 
That's oh, totally when, when I when I'm out of town, I see someone like, "Oh my gosh, you're from Buffalo." Me too. Where are you from, Buffalo? What do you do? You like the do you like the Sabres? What do you you know? I, I had a guy. I, like, the I, I look forward to, to being that guy. By the way, so. yeah, I had a guy come up to me the other day at uh, Marshalls and stop me and be like, "Because I have a Bills mask that I wear," and he says to me, "He goes, you from Buffalo?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, me, me too, me too." He goes, "What do you think of that game the other day?" I'm like, "Yeah, a good game." He goes, "This might be our year." I'm like, "I'm hoping." <laughs> I hope you're right, man. You're Love a lot it. more excited about than me. Love that. <laughs> but it, it, we're everywhere, man. And and if there's one thing that could bring everyone together, it's Buffalo Bills football. Hey, even Cleveland Browns football. The Bills and the Browns somehow get to the AFC Championship game together. The Bills like, hosting the AFC Championship game. Can they allow more than 6,700 fans in for like? I don't know how they're not going to. How are they going to stop fans from just? And we've we've said this right, like. Well, they have how better do, security do, than the United States Capitol. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. I, I just don't know how you do it. Um, by the way, I, I know this is going to air after the game, but I know you're not watching the game uh, where you're sitting. Uh, the Sabres are down five to four with a minute and a half left. Olofsson just scored. Um, and it looks like they're going to pull Hutton here. All right. Any, any Taylor Hall. Ago. I saw Taylor Hall get his first goal before uh, we started recording here. That was good. To, didn't take too long. You don't want to have that guy slumping. Yeah, you know he's had a good game too. Though it's Dylan Cousins. He's been looking pretty good today. He, he definitely hasn't. Uh, he definitely looks like he could keep up at this level. That's for sure. All right, that's good. We, uh, by the way, if you missed our last episode, we previewed the Saber season with Joe Yerden. He's a great follow on Twitter. He was great on the podcast. Go check that one out. Pretty much any breakdown of any Sabers player or or unit, uh, he touched on it. So definitely check that out if you haven't heard it yet. Um, yeah, good good segue there. By the way, I like it. Thank you. I like it. They're very professional. You've been practicing, haven't you? You've been reading your books. Um. <laughs> But so, Nick, I, I need a score prediction from you for 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 Sunday, maybe or for Saturday. Maybe maybe you could help me. Yeah. All right. Listen, I'm gonna give you. I got two predictions here. One of them is the good weather prediction, and one is the insane weather prediction. All right. If they play in good or at least you know passable weather, I like the Bills. I like the Bill. It's good. Like. I, so somebody else asked me this too, and I'm like, I like the Bills, but I don't feel good about it. All right. I'm gonna tell you. Bills thirty to twenty eight in good weather, or yeah, in good weather, and in bad weather, like really, really hard to move the ball. I'm um, I'm thinking that the Bills get. I would love to see Tyler Bass like kick a field goal through like snow, and they don't really know if it, like that would be great to me. Uh, <laughs> I like the Bills in in bad weather, seventeen to fourteen. Okay, um, in good weather, I like the Bills. In good weather, I think the Bills win 31 to 30. I think it's a close, close game. Um, in bad weather, in a run heavy weather system, uh, I don't think the Bills will win. Uh, I think that type of uh, game is going to favor a team like Baltimore. Um, and I, I, I will say this I don't think Lamar Jackson will be the one to hurt Buffalo on the ground. I think it's going to be the running backs because Buffalo's done a good job all year of containing those guys who can get out of the pocket. They've done a good job containing um, uh, uh, the guys in Arizona. They've done a good job with Patrick Mahomes this year um, when they've played them. They did a decent job with Tannehill. 
Um, not that he's a guy that moves around a lot, but he, he he's a little slower than a Josh Allen type of quarterback. Um, but I, I don't think it's Lamar Jackson that's going to be the one to hurt Buffalo. It's going to be J.K. Dobbins, Edwards, hmm. Ingram if he plays. Those are going to be the guys that hurt Buffalo. Gus Bus. Um, yeah. Love Gus Bus. It's going to be in a bad weather game. Buffalo loses a bad weather game. Um, I, I'm I'm going to up your score a little bit. And I'm going to say twenty to twenty to fourteen. They lose a bad weather game. All right. Well, I hope I you're hope wrong. wrong. Hope you're wrong. I hope we just get good weather. As we've been saying, as the Bills, the Bills are the better team. They don't need mm-hmm. like fluky weather stuff. They can just beat you normally. So I'm hoping for good weather. We're going to find out on – you always got to check, right? Even – you can't just look at the Buffalo forecast. You got to look at the Orchard Park-specific forecast, all right? I made that mistake on this November game. You got to see what it's doing down there. And honestly, like like we I, – I joked when Luke was on about uh, take the over because he predicted such a high score. I really wait to see the weather that day before I would uh, put any any wagers on this game. <laughs> yeah, for all you betters out there, don't uh, <laughs> don't do anything too crazy too soon. Uh, definitely wait a little bit, but by the way, minor shout out New York state. I read this week or last week is, uh, going to plan to move forward with, uh, mobile sports betting going forward. We have legalized betting only at a casino. They're planning to go forward with mobile sports betting this year, uh, claiming it is going to help make up revenue loss for COVID. It seems just like a natural step. Like if, if you, if you don't have mobile sports betting, you don't really have sports betting. So it's already legal. You just need to make it accessible now. So that would be a good step for the state to take this year. I like it. And and if you're going to the game, don't forget food and beverage stops at 10 o'clock. They're following New York State guidelines. Uh, so make sure you get all the really? beer. Yeah, you didn't hear that? Yeah. They're, um, no. So New York State said all restaurants got to be closed now by 10 o'clock. Something oh, like that. I, I, th- I thought you meant inside the stadium. And well, the, the stadium is following that as well, so there will be no That's more ridiculous. food or beverage after sold after ten o'clock. Which by that time, if the game's starting at eight fifteen, should be halftime anyway. And they, they usually stop selling at the end they, of the third, they stop so. alcohol at halftime, but I don't. I didn't think food. Yeah, so make sure I you. They should. They should make an exception that. to businesses to have the later game this week. They should, but yeah, it's New York State. Well, okay. all right. We'd need a longer podcast to talk about. Uh, state <laughs> yeah, politics. Can we get Luke back on now? We, can, we could get uh, John Campbell on. He could talk state politics with us. Maybe. There we go. There we go. But all in all, man, it's going to be an interesting uh, Saturday. I will be in my room watching the game. Uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, positive. Um, I'm sure I'll be texting you mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> uh, but all and, in all, man. Yeah. Last thing, don't forget, the Ravens are coming on a short week here. They played on Sunday. Now they're playing Saturday. Bills are on full rest. And they, they do have two guys. You know, Judon's been out all week with an illness, not COVID-related. And uh, Peters has been out with a back injury, which could be interesting to watch as well, especially if he's on a guy like Stephon Diggs. He's going to be doing a lot of a lot of moving guarding a guy like Stephon Diggs, even, even if they put him on a guy like uh, Cole Beasley like they did last season. He, he played man a lot on Cole Beasley, and Cole Beasley – did a good job, you know. You know how shifty he is. Um, before we go, Nick, what are your thoughts on John Brown for this game? He had a quiet game last week. Do they find a way to get him involved? 
Uh, he would love, I bet, to beat his former team. Uh, I don't know. He looked pretty healthy in week 17. I don't know if he was was bothered by an injury last week. I don't know if the the you know the reads just didn't end up his way. But no catches on one target. That was that was surprising to me. I don't know what the real reason for that was. But man, if Diggs wants to beat a guy for not drafting him, I think John Brown would want to beat a team that he actually used to play for. Yeah. Um, do you think Diggs has 100 yards this week? In good weather. Okay. The Ravens corners uh, are good though. Like they like they can leave people one on one and play play uh cover zero basically and, and get the blitzers that way. It's just it's just tough knowing do you really not want to have a safety over the top when it's a guy like Diggs who can just make people look silly? When it's a guy like John Brown who can just blow by people with speed. Like even if you have talented people, do you want to risk that? I mean, I think the Bills receivers are more talented than the Ravens defensive backs. Um, I think Marcus Peters is good. I think Marcus Peters, that was all hype in my opinion. I don't think he's, he's great. I don't, I wouldn't consider him, you know, one of the top, I wouldn't put him in the same conversation as Trey White's to Stefan Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey, um, or, or Marlon Humphreys for that matter. Um, yeah, all very good player, but not elite. No, no, I, I don't, I don't think they're elite. I think their front four is elite, um, and that worries me more. And how the offensive line is going to the off the, the most important thing out of this game, no matter what, win or lose, just keep Josh Allen healthy. I don't need him going into the offseason needing surgery on anything or repairing anything that is broken or leaving anything with a concussion. Find a way to keep your quarterback healthy is the most important thing this week. Win or lose. To me, I, I I I need him coming back with even more confidence. For oh, I, I thought you were going to tell me it's a playoff game. The most important thing is winning. Well, obviously, and winning. But I mean, as far as <laughs> players go, keep Josh Allen healthy. You know, I don't want to see Matt Barkley this week. Please, no. But oh right, no, man! I, listen, hell, before we go, last thing. Yeah. Seriously, stay safe. Like, keep keep the heart rate down. Tell tell your wife you need the back massage. You got to get up and take a stroll. Like, stay safe. Yeah, man, I will do the best I can. Uh, tell the Bills to play good. <laughs> if, 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 in all, in all honesty, if the Bills can come out and go uh, ten nothing to start the game, yeah. I'll be fairly calm. I think unless um, Baltimore finds a way to come back drastically, unless Buffalo completely craps the bed mm-hmm. at that point. Hey, um, NFL officiating owes Buffalo one after last week. They do, but as I've said a million times on the show, Nick, the NFL hates the Buffalo Bills. And they owed him one after that crap last year against Houston. And I don't think he was giving himself up. I disagree with you. I, I strongly disagree with you, but Hey, to each their own. Um, It's, it's, let's just go, just go out and get the win, man. Just win. Just, just win. It It doesn't need to be pretty anymore. Like I, I don't need pretty wins. Just get a win. I don't care if the defense has three pick sixes and Josh Allen throws two interceptions and the offense doesn't score a touchdown and the defense wins you the game. I don't care how you win, just win the game and keep Josh Allen healthy. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore process pod. I'm at Nick Veronica. Charlie, tell them where you are. Find me at Chawit 68 on the Twitter bird. Um, yeah, man. And, and you can find Luke at Luke Russer. Let's not forget to give him a, uh, Another shout-out. Appreciate Luke coming on with us today. 
always really insightful. Uh, definitely want to have him on again, and, and I want to talk to him some more about these travels that he's had. I didn't know that he's been all over the place. He said he's coming back on when his book comes out. There we go. Well, I'm going to hold him to that, and we, we'll talk some baseball too when, when he comes back on for sure. Um, but, yeah, Nick, appreciate you as always. Appreciate you guys always for listening. Remember, follow us on Twitter at the underscore process pod. Like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff wherever you listen to your podcast. We appreciate you guys as always. Go Bills, and remember to always trust the process.